Well, um, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Kristen Johnson. I'm Pastor CJ's wife, and I have been forced up here against my will. (laughs) You guys should know that. Um, I don't pride myself on being a professional communicator. Know that. This isn't typically my jam. I would rather be where you all are. Um, But I do believe God has a word for you this morning, and I'm going to give you my best, and I'm going to pray God does the rest. But while you're sitting there, you can go ahead and send some prayers my way. Um, But before I start my message, I do want to pause and... um, Address the reality of this moment that some of you may be feeling. Um, You may have different thoughts and feelings and emotions on what this day represents. Um, And I don't want to breeze past any of those moments. Mother's Day could be challenging for a lot of you for a lot of reasons, and I don't want to list them all. I do want you to know, though, I can't list them all, and I don't know all the feelings that you may be feeling, but God does. And my prayer is that this weekend, you just bump into the goodness of God. You just bump into the goodness of God. So I'm going to pray over my message real quick and pray over you before we start. So go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, your word is so clear. You draw near to the brokenhearted. Scripture says you are a refuge, a healer, an ever-present help in times of suffering. We want to thank you that we can lay our burdens before you. And Lord, we ask that the promises of your word be fulfilled in the lives of those who may be crushed in spirit today. We thank you that your steadfast love never ceases and that your mercies never come to an end. We pray that you will continue to speak um, life over all of us and make your presence known to all of us, especially those who find this holiday to be burdensome. May your presence, that, um, our peace that surpasses all understanding, all understanding, guard the hearts and minds of your children here today. And Lord, I pray right now that you will, Lord, you will help me to get out of the way so that your people can hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. And As always, church, we are starting a new sermon series, and this new sermon series is called Family Circus, which is so great, because I think that is a wonderful title for families. And truth be told, a lot of us moms are the ringmasters of our own little family. So make sure you make church a priority the next month. I promise you, you're going to get something out of it, and it's going to be really good. Now, I... I love being a mom. If you're a mom, raise your hand in here because I know you, you share the sentiment with me. I love being a mom. I've got wonderful kids. Um, I make the same mistakes you make. I probably pray the same prayers you pray over your children. And so I, I think being a mom is a great gig. It comes with great compensation, wouldn't you say? I mean, because you can't put a price on hugs and kisses and vomit, and throw up, and diarrhea, and all the things that we deal with willingly as moms. But this morning, we're going to look at some moms in, scriptures, in Scripture, and we, they find themselves in an absolute circus, and that circus happens to be Jesus' family tree. In fact, the Gospel of Matthew spells it out for us this way, and if you have ever been embarrassed by one of your family members, which we all have, you can take heart, because I'm about to show you Jesus's, and it is, it's crazy, but um, I can't, I don't want to list or read through all the genealogy, because it's really long, and the names are really hard for me to say, so I'm going to sum up the type of people you see in Jesus's family tree. So first, you see a homeless man, a schemer, sexual predator. Um, predator. Once more, you see a prostitute, an adulterer, a murderer. You see both 
mighty kings, maddening fools, slave, master, rich, and poor, you name it, that is all in Jesus's family tree. Now, it was common throughout the age to document one's ancestry, but what makes Matthew's list so awesome is that um, the, his list stands out in so many ways. And it's not because of the crazies that are in it, but it's the ladies that are in it. And so his list includes five women, which is so, um, so rare in that time. But how many of you have done um, like a deep dive into your family tree or the genealogy of your family? Or you've done um, Ancestry.com, any of those things, have you done them? Oh, not a lot in here. Our other services were very eager about theirs. So I... I've not done one in mine. I'm actually really nervous to like, I don't know, like something, ignorance is bliss sometimes. When you say, I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know if there's a serial killer in my family, <laughs> decades and whatever. No, I don't want to know those things. Um, but of course I have that one sibling. We all do. We had that one sibling. And so my brother did a deep dive into this. Now I'm Native American and he did a deep dive into our Native um, leg and he found this picture. This is my great, great, I think to the fifth power grandfather, um, chief of our Omaha tribe. And so my brother, this exact picture, he tattooed on his body, like the whole thing. And he has like bows and arrow and buffalo that like wrap all around it. It is, it's interesting. He's like, sister, look. I'm like, nope, I don't need to see that. But a lot, of, a lot of pain and a lot of money went into that tattoo. So my brother, he did a deep dive for all of us. Um, so again, what makes Matthew so lit, so list so good is that he includes women. And I love that about him because it's subtle, but Matthew's making a point here that women matter and that we are important. And so I'm gonna jump right into the first woman. And so turn with me to Matthew 1, 1 through 6. And this is the genealogy of Jesus. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, and the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and his brother, Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now Tamar represents, this is the first woman we see, the forgotten woman. And all of us, have had seasons in our life where we have felt forgotten and overlooked. And I'm gonna sum up her story for you because her story is very uncomfortable and very bizarre. And if you know her story, you know I am going to sum it up for you. And there could be children in the room. There's just, it's, a, it's a wild story. But in Genesis 38, Tamar becomes a widow and her father-in-law refuses to redeem her, which was the custom according to the law and time. Um, so she decides to take her reputation into her own hand. Essentially, she disguises herself um, and goes to the city gates. Following her plan, Judah mistakes her for a prostitute. Tamar becomes pregnant. In moments before being put to death, she exposes her father-in-law as the redeeming father of her child, which is his primary responsibility in the first place. Again, I'm summing this up because this story is filled with a lot of things. And when you read her story and when you look at her story, you're almost rooting for her. Like, oh, someone redeem her because that your heart kind of goes out for her. And when I'm looking at her story, I'm like, God, why, like, why do you share this very crazy story with us, this bizarre story? What are you trying to teach us about yourself? And it's, her story's sad, but what she does and what we find is Tamar had to trick her earthly father-in-law into redeeming her, which is completely opposite of who our heavenly father is. We don't ever have to trick our heavenly father into redeeming us. He has already done that. And church, this message isn't just for women and just for mothers. 
Um, But I want you to know when it comes to God, we never have to play games with him. He's not playing games with us, and so we never have to play games with him. He's already come for us. He's already redeemed you willingly, and he loves you. No games are needed when, when dealing with Jesus. The second lady I'm going to talk about is in Matthew 1, 5. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And Rahab, again, is another wild story, but I'm going to make it quick for you. Rahab was a brave prostitute from Jericho who in Joshua 2, 1 through 24, risked her life to hide and assist the Israelite spies sent by Joshua to assess the promised land. In return, she was granted entrance into the Israelite community along with her family. And you can find all this in Joshua 6, 17 through 28. Rahab represents the fearless woman, the fearless woman. Uh, Many scholars believe that she was forced into prostitution against her own will, yet despite the um, the dangers of her situation, she rises up in righteous courage. Righteous courage. And church, we live in a world right now where there is a lot of counterfeit courage. Wouldn't you say? A lot of counterfeit courage. An example of that was we can see, I'm sure you've seen what liquid courage looks like. I'm sure you've seen what keyboard courage looks like. Um, And my favorite is anonymous courage. You know, someone will write a letter front and back and forget to write their name on it. It's just, it's not righteous. It's It's not righteous courage, though. There's a difference between righteous courage, and you cannot fake righteous courage. Um, Righteous courage shows you either you fall into temptation or you don't. You either have convictions or you don't. You either tell the truth or you don't. You either love your enemies or you don't. Um, Righteous courage looks different. In Rahab, there's no question. She had righteous courage. And look how things played out for her. She is not only welcomed into the Israelite community, but she is grafted into the family of God in the genealogy of Jesus. And I'm convinced God will prove his faithfulness to you, which is why I love the verse, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For for the Lord your God goes with you and will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, don't forget that. God is with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So when we see foolish courage out there, just let it go. Um, The next lady that I'm going to talk about that we see is found in Matthew 1 through 5, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. In church, I did, I wrote my whole first message on Ruth, and then three weeks ago, the Lord changed it, and we had very honest conversations about that because my husband's relationship with the Lord is just is different than mine. He, him and God are tinkering with his message like all the way till he steps on this platform. And I do not work that way. And the Lord knows that. He wired me. But I'm like, hey, this is a game plan. We're sticking to it and we're not changing it. But he's good. He gave me three weeks to pivot. But I love Ruth. Um, have, I'm sure a lot of you have heard the analogy, who, who's the goat, who's the greatest of all time? Or I'm sure you've been asked, who would be on your Mount Rushmore of faith? Well, Ruth would be on mine. First of all, she's one of two women who has, um, her whole, has a book in the Bible. One of two women in the Bible is full of 66 books. So homegirl's got her own book. Another thing I like about her is her book is only four chapters. <laughs> you know, some of those are long four chapters and it is it is full like it's it's full of everything 
Everything's in there. I, I love Ruth. I think she's wonderful. I love her story. But here's the, the summary of Ruth. Ruth was a foreign woman um, who's a widow, and because she had no children, she had no right standing among the Moabites, as well as no one to redeem her, which meant she was permitted and expected to return to her homeland. However, in Ruth 1.16, she stubbornly decides to accompany her mother-in-law, who was also a widow, back to Israel. Essentially, she sacrifices her future and security to remain loyal to her heartbroken and hopeless mother-in-law. And what happens next, in my opinion, is scripture's greatest love stories. Because what we find is, not only is Ruth the real deal and a woman who's full of character, she finds a man who is the real deal and full of character. And those two, and people who are full of character like that, their marriages are special and they're set apart and their weddings are just so fun to be at. But I'm convinced things tend to work out for those who have high character. Rest in your character, things will always work out for you. Um, I would say that Ruth represents the foreign woman, the foreign woman, and perhaps some of you can relate to that, feeling trapped in spaces or feeling foreign to certain spaces. Um, Ruth was heartbroken, lost, and feeling out of place, and some of you know exactly what that feels like, to be left out or without a family at times. Yet again, what we see in Ruth's story is God honors her character, and once more, she is grafted into the family of God. In fact, she plays a key role in bringing the Savior of the world into humanity. Jesus is so good, you guys. One of my favorite things about Jesus is he was so classy and distinguished. He never discriminated against anyone. I would say Jesus was so classy that he was classless. It didn't matter what category. We as humans and in our humanity, we like to put things in category and they're nice, neat little boxes. And that is not how our father operates. It doesn't matter what social class you're in, economically, racially, professionally, education, educationally, it does not matter. God blows through whatever category we feel comfortable or category we try to put him in. He has come for everyone and that's what makes him so good. And I don't know... I don't know who's here um, this morning. Some of you, you may be visiting because you're a good son or daughter and your mama wanted you here and you showed up and that, I, that is noble. Way to honor her, that is great. But if you don't have a church family, this, this may be a shameless plug, but I, I don't know the rules, so I'll just say what, this is my last message too, so um, you might get a little bit more. Um, you belong here. Like, Northview is wonderful. I have been here for just under two years, and my mind is blown by the countless amazing people that I've met. Like, this place is special, it's different, and if you don't have a church family, this is a wonderful church family to be a part of. You will grow here, your family will grow here, you will meet amazing, amazing people, and you will be taught weekly by who I think is the best preacher out there. See what I did there? And church, he is, he is a wonderful preacher. I, I, lo I love it. I, I can listen to all of his messages. But I will tell you, he is a better husband and he is a better father than he is a preacher. I, I guarantee you that. And I know he leads, he leads our house so well. 
Man, if I was leading her, he leads it so well. So we're in, you're in good hands when it comes to leading this house. He's the real deal. I love him. And I have to brag on him because he always does this stuff to me, and it is so uncomfortable <laughs> that I have to, like, push it back to him. But he's the best. I love him. Okay, the fourth lady we're going to talk about is in Matthew 1 through 6. Jesse, the father of King David, David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Or Uriah. Okay, who knows who Uriah's wife was? There you go, Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 11.4 um, records show that Bathsheba is a woman forced into an adulterous relationship with King David while her husband was at, off to war, who then had to watch powerlessly as David had her husband, Uriah the Hittite, murdered in battle. 2 Samuel um, 11, 15 through 16 shows us all of this. But however, Bathsheba in 1 King 1 ensures that her second son, Solomon, become heir to David's throne. Here, I would say Bathsheba represents the fallen woman. The fallen woman. My heart, in my heart, you know, it goes out to her. Pressured by the king against her own will, she finds herself imprisoned in just foolishness, just utter foolishness. Yet, once again, God remains faithful and just. In fact, um, when all said and done, she gives birth to Solomon. And what is Solomon known and the Bible as? The wisest man to ever live. Don't believe me? Just read the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, I wrote down a couple of um, nuggets of words of wisdom, courtesy of Bathsheba's son. And you might know some of these. So the first one is, iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. All rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. So wise. Okay, train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from them. And then this last one's my favorite one. Your soul is nourished when you are kind. It is destroyed when you are cruel. I mean, he, she had a wise son. And again, for those of you who are here today who feel imprisoned by foolishness, know this, Bathsheba teaches us this. Wisdom triumphs over foolishness. In the end, wisdom always triumphs over foolishness. So whether you're experiencing the foolishness of others or the foolishness of your the own choices and consequences that you yourself have made, choose today to anchor yourself to wisdom. And where is wisdom found? In God's word. There is no shortcut to it. Out of all the noise that we consume day in and day out by culture and just you have to make sure you are combating that with scripture. Know God's word. Stand firm in that. Now, I couldn't, do, um, I couldn't do a message and not at least give you one basketball analogy. So I'm going to give you one basketball analogy. It's a good one, okay? So in the terms of basketball, foolishness may be winning the quarter, but wisdom wins the game. Church, there's going to be times where it looks like foolishness is just taking ground. In basketball, it's, it's a game of runs. It just looks like, man, they just keep moving and win. It's just a quarter. It's okay. Hang tight, because in the end, wisdom always wins. God always wins the game. So stand firm in that. Now, <laughs> the last lady I'm going to talk about is Mary, because you cannot do a Mother's Day message and not hit on Mary. So Mary, um, as a parent, we all know the pressures and stress of raising an imperfect child, but can you imagine raising the only perfect child to ever live. Like that is, I guarantee you Mary has some stories. I can't wait to hear all those stories. She has some stories. But Mary, not only did she raise a perfect child, 
we, our, ki- our kids are, sinless, are full of sin and they're, they're, they're hard, but she, if you have a teenager in this room, you understand what I'm saying. You have children who sometimes think they know everything. Hey, I was a teenager and I, I thought I knew everything too, so I get it. I'm not trying to throw shade, but you have children who sometimes think they know everything. Well, in Mary's case, her child did know everything. All-knowing, sinless. I'm just like, oh, I can't imagine raising, raising him. And if there was ever an issue, like us moms, we, were, we like to take... Um, the blame for everything, or we think a lot of things are our fault. Oh, if I was more prepared, oh, if I would have done that. You know, we, we take the blame for everything. With Mary and Jesus, if there was ever an issue, it was always Mary's fault. <laughs> always Mary's fault. So hats off to Mary. She, she had a tough assignment, a very tough assignment, but she did it. And here's the deal. God has assigned all of you a different assignment. And like Mary, you can get the job done. You can get the job done. So I'm gonna sum up Mary's story real quick. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is often idolized as the perfect and holy woman. However, Mary was human and imperfect, and just like the rest of us, she faced immense challenges as the mother, especially raising the perfect son, who is also the savior of the world. But despite Mary's imperfection, her unwavering faith in God allowed her to play a significant role in the story of redemption. Mary's story reminds us to never give up hope and to always trust God's plan. Even when you're faced with seemingly impossible obstacles, Mary represents the faithful woman, the faithful woman. And there's so much to Mary's story that I could go through, and I know you all know her story pretty well, but I'm going to leave you with two principles. One, you don't have to be perfect to be productive. You don't have to be productive perfect to be productive. I mean, perfection is an untainable goal. And moms, you need to hear me. You don't have to look perfect. Your kids don't have to act perfect. Your kids don't need to be dressed perfect. Your house doesn't need to be perfectly decorated. I mean, you do not have to be perfect. That is not the goal. Second, um, second point is those who remain faithful will always remain useful. Just remain faithful and watch how God uses you. Um, we like to say around here, the best way to discover God's faithfulness is to live a life of faithfulness. And church, when you live a life of faithfulness, you live a life that's fulfilling. Don't you want to feel, feel fulfilled in who you are and how God designed you and the things that you are doing? Now, here's the deal. Apart from Mary, Mary got some angels sent to her with some, you know, letting her know her assignment, letting her know what was going on. These other women... They had no idea that they were playing a part in God's grand plan. They didn't know. Mary knew, but the other four, they did not know. And chances are, neither do you. And I just want you to hear today, as a mother, you are accomplishing far more than you realize. Far more than you realize. Keep playing your part knowing God is fulfilling his will in your life. In closing, I love that God includes these women in the list of his family tree before introducing his son. And Matthew is repetitive with some statements that he says over and over again. He says, whose mother was, whose mother was, whose mother was, whose mother had been. And throughout scripture, God uses repetition as a way to drive home a point, which then raises the question, What is he trying to drive home? What point is he trying to make about mothers? And at a bare minimum, I would say it's safe to say God sees the role of a mother. God sees the role of a mother. And perhaps that could be an encouraging word to you moms today. God sees you. 
He sees you. He sees everything you're facing and everything you're managing. He sees when you're thriving and he sees when you're struggling. He sees where, he's, where you've been, he sees where you're at, and he sees where he's taking you. He sees you. And church, I'm going to try to give you my best C.J. Johnson impersonation. <laughs> okay, you ready? If God sees us, let us seize God. Very good. Yeah. And let us continue looking to the one who is always looking out for us. Church, God is always looking out for us. His eyes have never left you. I have lost children at Target before. God has not lost you. We, I have, we have, we've lost things at times. God has never lost you. He sees you. He's for you. He's cheering you on. He sees you in those moments where you feel alone. He just sees you. And my prayer is that you will leave today knowing that your heavenly father loves you and is for you and sees you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for Mother's Day. Lord, raising kids is hard. Being a mom is hard at times. Lord, there are gaps and holes that we miss with each one of our children. And Lord, I pray right now that whatever gap and hole are within these relationships, Lord, that you just fill them. You fill the gaps and you fill the holes and the things that we as mothers maybe don't see. But Lord, I just pray right now, everyone, man, woman, I just pray that you remind them that you see them that you are for them, that you love them, that you have come to redeem them, that there is comfort in resting in your goodness and in your word. Lord, I pray that today our mothers are spoiled rotten. I pray that um, they are loved on well. And anyone who has, whose day, Mother's Day is just difficult for them, Lord, you know those needs. You know what they need. You know what touch they need. So I pray the Holy Spirit just, just touch them right now with whatever they're looking for. Lord, you are a good father. So good. Lord, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.